Your life is perfectly built for the amount of Jesus that you are experiencing. There is confusion sometimes uh, when we talk about what it means to be a Christian, and there is nothing that you can do to earn your salvation. Salvation is a free gift from God, and we just got to celebrate the fact that God left heaven and came and lived a perfect life, extended his arms in love, sacrificed himself for you and for I, took punishment, went to the grave, conquered grave, conquered the grave, rose from the dead, uh, and, 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 and gave us purpose and promise and hope. He upended, and I'll talk about some things that he upended, all the things that people were experiencing and gave us a, a, a new way to know and see and understand him. And then he told his followers to wait. It gets even better. I'm going to give you the promised Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit just came in power and filled uh, the, the, the early followers of Jesus who, who now had a message that God is different than what you expect. God is not distant. God is near. God came in the form of a man, and that man is Jesus, who is fully alive, ruling and reigning in heaven, and we get to experience him today. So it's not just when you die. It is that, that, that he wants to, to fill you and lead you and guide you. And there's nothing that you can do to add to what he's done, but there's quite a bit, if we're honest, that, that, that we know that we could do to experience him a little bit differently. And, and a lot of times that gets confused or confusing for people because they think like, well, God, if you're there and you want my attention, you can get it. But if not, I'm just going to be off doing my own thing. And when I was a itty-bitty-bitty baby Christian, and I'm going to tell a little bit about my story today, but, but just imagine me, but smaller. Actually, I was the same height, but um, less facial hair, maybe less around here. But I was hungry for Jesus. And, and, and in this series, we've been looking at, at rediscovering Jesus again. And in order to do that, we have to look at, like, how did we find him the first time? And then what does it take to find him anew. And I, I had found Jesus because I learned that it wasn't this message of religiosity and legalism. And Jesus actually rejected the very people that I had problems with, which was a bunch of people who, who treated me differently and judged me because of their, their uh, station in life and kind of where I was at. And, and, and that didn't feel good to me, so I didn't want to go into the places that they were gathering to be more judged or more mocked or more made fun of. And so, so I was actually distant and removed from people who claimed to be the very ones that represented God. And I started reading the story. Jesus actually went and found those rejected and distant from the very people that were supposed to be representing God and he stood against those people and when I saw that I was like who is this who is this person who who stands against all this religiosity and legalism and arrogance and pride and says there is a way well if the the invitation to follow Jesus wasn't to learn how to be a better judgmental jerk then I was actually intrigued I don't know what you felt lately or you know what we've gone through God loves us, so he exposes the things in us that often keep us from him, but he also exposes the things in us 
that keep us from the us he intended us to be. So here I was, hungry for the person of Jesus, and I was with a friend, and this was honestly the blind leading the blind. This is the reason that you need more mature people around you. But my friend and I decide we're hungry for Jesus, and we want to see more of God. So we are going to go out into the woods and spend three days fasting. Right? Have any of you, like, fasted for three days? Let me tell you what happens if you try to spend three days. Because we're like, I think we can do this without water even. Like, I think if we, if we love Jesus, we'll go without food. But if we really love Jesus... And so we're out there, and we're, you know, like, we're just idealistic, and we're setting up the tent poles, and we're just like, we're really going to serve Jesus. And after day one, we're like, I think water's okay. I really think water, I mean, like, he's living water, right? He doesn't mind if we have some water. We can still seek him, and uh, we'll just, we'll just have water. And day two, day two was a rough day, you guys. Because day two, God exposed in me that I didn't want more of him. I wanted more of pizza. <laughs> and so here I am. I'm saying, Lord, I'm yours. And my friend and I are like, there's a pizza hut like a half an hour from here. And uh, like if we time this fasting thing right, we could make it to the all-you-can-eat buffet. And so day three, it, it, I mean, we lost our focus on the Lord because we're thinking of like, you know they do a dessert pizza, right? And so here we are, like, seeking God, except we're doing it in our own strength. We are, we are not learning what it means to rely more on God. We're, we're learning more of what it means to be this this like white knuckle, just just make it. It was self-determination, right? So God is exposing in me that there's stuff in me that's not about him. So fasting isn't God. But what came up in this pursuit of him was there's a lot of me in me. And uh, without sparing you how awful the results of Pizza Hut turned out to be, I'll let you know, if you decide to pursue God wholeheartedly for three days of not eating, please do not finish that time at Pizza Hut. It will not go good for you or whoever has to clean the bathrooms at that Pizza Hut. It just won't, good, it just won't go good for anyone. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, we can't pray, but no, I'm... Uh, I'm going to sit on a stool, and um, there's, there's a little reason for this. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, and um, I started going to Christ the King almost, almost 30 years ago. And the first time I went, um, it was out uh, on the Guide Meridian in Laurel. And, um, you know, I obviously needed some some spiritual leadership in my life because I'm spending three days out in the middle of nowhere not knowing how to do fasting or seek God or anything, right? We had a Bible and a bunch of zeal, and um, 
uh, and we needed to learn what it meant to be part of God's family. So I roll up on a CTK, and no joke, there are people smoking out front. Smoking! Smoking in front of a church. And I'm like, I don't know how this works. I've never been to a church before, you guys. And I'm like, does God know that they're smoking? And so I get up there, and no joke, one of these smoking guys hands me a program. And I'm like, dang, not only is he smoking confidently, like he was not hiding it. He was like doing the extra long drag, like, Oh, you need a program here? <laughs> Not hiding it at all. So I walk into this building, and they've got drums, and I'm like, can there be drums in church? I don't know how this works. And then this guy comes out, and he sits on a stool, and he tells the most relational story, an invitation, to understand Jesus rightly. You see, my version of Jesus was all messed up. It was a cultural Jesus or a religious Jesus or a, a, what, what, what we think that, that, that God should be like Jesus and not a this is who he really is, Jesus. And let me tell you, when someone, when someone can show you who he really is, you want that. And I know this for all of the people that live in Ferndale. There is not one person in Ferndale that if they could see through all the religiosity and all the judgment and all the cultural shame and all the division and all the politics and see the one who left heaven, who out of sacrificial love said, this is for you, but not only that, who designed them the very one who designed them in his image and knows how life is supposed to be, people want that. And I wanted that. And I needed that. And so here I was at this smoking drum church. And I felt like this is a place that I could be me. So where was it when you discovered that Jesus? For some of you, it, you were pretty young. And um, for some of you, you're still in process. And wherever you are today, you need to know that God is in your story. God has been in your story. And God is working in and through you to make, him, to make you more like him. Because he is not a selfish God and does not want the gift of himself limited to only you. He wants the gift of himself lived out in you in such a way it can be shared and given to others. And this is what we remember this morning. When did we first come to know him? And how can we see more of him? How can we find him again? So um, my grandma on my dad's side was very Mormon. And I'm not sure if you know much about uh, the Mormon church, uh, but for her, that meant she was tracing her genealogy back seven generations uh, to when um, the tablets 
were received and when this church started uh, as a way to connect to uh, her parents and grandparents who had passed away. My grandma was a tremendously devout person and to this day one of the most influential women in my life. But I was so confused uh, when, when we attended because it, 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 I, I obviously was an outsider. My dad uh, was pretty rough, and uh, he was not secretive about his roughness. Uh, he, he, he shared uh, w- w- what his activities were, and he didn't really try to hide them. And uh, that made for some awkward interactions. Um, because this this was at the time a, 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 a religious culture where you just kind of act the way that you're supposed to act in church and no one really taught me those things but I got baptized at 10 years old into the Mormon church and I had no idea what that meant except I got to be in this white robe and I just I just went where they told me but I had no idea of anything and a year later uh, my dad took his own life and so everything changed um, in, a, in, a, in a culture where, where you try to make everything pretty and look like it's okay. They didn't know how to act or respond. All of a sudden, this kind of weird family where they were already out, now they're, they didn't know. And the gift that it gave our family is we got to step away from everything. And I got to be mad at God for about 10 years. I got to. Like, when you experience pain and loss and frustration and grief, trauma, abuse, um, it's okay to be mad at God. God actually gives you great permission. Um, and the one thing that I would say, the greatest skill that I would say in my time of searching that God gave me is this ability to ask him anything. And I want you to know, no matter what you've experienced in the categories I just mentioned, one of the greatest skills that you can learn is to be able to talk to God about anything. God, I'm mad. God, I'm frustrated. God, I don't understand this. God, where are you at? God, why did this happen? God, why did you allow this? God, what does this mean? Because God is not afraid of any of those questions. And in fact, like I said, left heaven to step down to experience pain and grief and sin and brokenness and betrayal in a way that he would say, I, I, I know what it is that you're, you're, you're going through. And not only that, I've created all of the people who have abused or hurt or misused my name and desired for them to be rearranged in a life of significance and they have chosen again to respond to their hurt with hurt and to respond to their pain with pain and hurt people hurt people and so if you've experienced some of those things and 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 felt that as a result of those things you you must be separated from God then that's the miss it's actually a God who invites us into suffering and says that we will know him in and through suffering who would grieve with me that my dad chose to turn to alcohol and drugs instead of to him who would grieve with me 
that 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 I was not intended to be betrayed or abandoned or abused as a result of all this had happened but that he had made a way and 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 that those around me had chosen a different way and the great invitation for all of us today is that we can learn to live a life that is self-led and determination and we're gritting it and we're doing things for God that we think that we should, but we know in ourselves we're really desiring other things. Or we can learn to take those things to God in all honesty and vulnerability and say, God, I really want pizza right now. God, how can you help me to love you more than pizza? And you know that pizza isn't the thing we struggle with, right? But God will love us enough to expose the things that we trust in, that we turn to, that we lean on in spite of him. But here I was, angry, frustrated, hurt, betrayed, abandoned. And I said, God, how could you have let these things happen? And there was no answer. God, how could you have let me go through this pain? And there was no answer. There was just silence as it exposed the stuff in me that was broken and that was hurt. I was given a, a, a New Testament. I was able to read the words of Jesus. And in that, I saw very clearly that Jesus was inviting me to forgive. And I was like, I'm out. I am out. I don't know if you've ever read something in the Bible and you're just like, this stops here, right? Like I was trying, I was really trying God, but no, you don't know. You don't know the, you don't know the hurt and the pain, right? Because if you did, you'd never ask me to do that. So there are these two areas that come up in reading the gospel stories that, that I was intrigued by, but I just knew I couldn't do because I knew that I could never forgive the people who had hurt me mostly my dad. And I knew that I could never surrender because I was a survivor and I had learned to gear up and I had learned to, to, to control the things I could control and I was never going to be hurt again the way that I was uh, like that. And, 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 and here's a God that's calling me to surrender and trust him. He didn't, he didn't help me the first time. Why would I trust him to help me the second time? But through a series of events, I find myself face to face with 10 years worth of tears just busting out of me. I didn't cry for about 10 years, you guys. Um, I, don't, I, I wouldn't suggest any of you go 10 days without crying. Go find a refresher. Like, if you haven't cried in a while, go watch uh, Old Yeller. Like, you need something to refresh your emotional state to remind you that you are not a robot. You are a human being. Learn to be Human, and I was resisting my humanity through the stubbornness of my sin. Because I had been hurt, which I did not choose, but I chose to, to grow in bitterness, and I chose to grow in hatred, and I chose to grow in unforgiveness, and I chose to grow in, in different outlets for dealing with things. And all of a sudden, the tears came, and I was like, what? The what? And if you haven't cried for some time and the tears come, it is your body saying, 
yo, dude, there's some stuff we got to deal with. And, 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 and my mind was tough. My body was tough. But my soul was dying, you guys. Just saying, hey, there is some stuff that we got to deal with. So I went out, and I don't know how this works, and I don't know if you've ever prayed like this, but I was like, God, I don't know where my dad is at this point, um, but you need to put him on the line. Can you do that? And I just sensed, I mean, I just sensed that he did. And here I am talking to the air, and I'm just telling the sky all my stuff. This is what's gone on the last 10 years. This is what you missed out on. This is what you left. But you know what? I forgive you. And I love you. And I was learning that forgiveness isn't saying that it's okay, but it's releasing our desire to repay. And every day I was trying to repay my dad for the hurt that he caused in my life. Now, the reason this is significant is because all of a sudden, the words of Jesus became way more significant. I said I was calling out and nothing was happening, and now I'm calling out and, and I just see. It was like scales fell off my eyes, and now this surrender thing is just knocking, 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 knocking. And I'm like, no, it, forgiveness was good. The tears were all right. It was kind of embarrassing, but... Um, but surrender, God. All I've got left is me. And again, if you've experienced hurt and pain, it feels like all you've got left is you. And here is a God that's saying, no, I want you to trust me with everything. And so fast forward about six months, and, and, uh, and I say, okay, God, I give up. I surrender. It wasn't bells, and it wasn't whistles, and it wasn't a big service. Um, I actually hadn't even come to a church at that point. This was pre-smoking drums story. I just decided, God, I'm going to trust you because it's causing me too much pain not to. It's causing me too much pain not to. So one of the greatest skills I learned in searching for God was that I could ask him, anything. Now, there are, are, are things that you know you know about the way that you came to know the Lord, but I'm, I'm asking you, what's the skill that you learned there that's transferable to this point in your life? I came to know God here, but the skill I learned that I can still apply today is this, because God did not reveal himself to you for nothing. God did not reveal himself to you so that you would take all of your abilities and use them your own way. He revealed himself to you, and with, with, with 100 out of 100%, with something tangible that you can still know and use and apply today. And for me, that strange skill is I walk into a room or a situation or I listen to someone talk, and I'm just like, rrr, rrr. I can ask God anything, and that skill has served me well. Well, as I started to learn more about 
Jesus, I started to see, I, I, I studied uh, sociology in school, and, um, and that's simply because I was going for business, and I was going to make a lot of money, and now God had upended my life, and I didn't know what I was supposed to do uh, at Western Washington University, so I'm like, well, maybe I'll go into quote-unquote ministry, and what's a ministry degree at Western Washington University? There's not one, you guys. There's not. So I was like, sociology, I mean, that's got people, right? So I'll do the people thing, and um, so I'm taking these classes and stuff. It's really fascinating if you look at the, at the, at the big story of God. If you look at Genesis through Revelation as a big story, and what's fascinating about it is one person did not architect this because it's written over generations, right? But, 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 but it's, this, it's this beautiful story that reveals the consistency of God in the inconsistency of humanity. And I started to see, like, there are these two huge inconsistencies. One is, is we gravitate a little bit more to what we think we should do. And then another is we rebel a little bit from what we think we're supposed to do. And if you look at the people of God, they were very, very, very determined to follow the law, but they missed actually Jesus when he came into their presence. They were so busy trying to keep the law that they missed the one who wrote it. And sometimes in humanity, the, the, our very best efforts uh, expose that we're more about us or more about what we want or more about the type of life we think that we, are, we should live than we are about the life that Jesus has actually designed us for. And so on one way, we lead to maybe being, being so legalistic or moral or self-effort or traditional or conservative. And then on the other, other extreme, we, um, we kind of think, yeah, there's an exception to that, and, and that's me, right? Like, yeah, God loves me, so I can do this, right? We start making ourselves the exception. And then we see where other people aren't fitting into this plan, and, 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 and we go out and make exceptions for them. Now, the beautiful thing about love is that God does not express love in this, like, just floaty idea. He actually says, I am the embodiment of love in truth and grace. And truth is, God never compromises his grace when he shows truth. But truth is the way that God intended the world to be. And sometimes if we become too legalistic about truth, we don't show grace. And grace is, 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 is God's complete and total acceptance of all who are designed in his image. But God never compromises his truth when he reveals grace. And the tension of love is that it's fully truthful and fully gracious. And we get in trouble when we go off and we make grace exceptions without truth. And we get in trouble when we go off and, 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 and are too rigid about truth without grace. And here is, here is Jesus upending our understanding of love and showing us how to do it differently. And he does it through this story in Luke 15 where he talks about two sons. And it's translated, or the heading is often bad. It says the prodigal son story or the story of one lost son. 
sons. I don't like that because that's not what's happening here. It's actually a story of two lost sons. And if you're not familiar with it, one of them comes to the father and says, hey, uh, could I have all the money that you would give me when you die? Because I'd just like that. I'd like to cash out now. Well, that was kind of like saying, uh, you're dead to me, dad. I just want your stuff. I don't want you. But the dad is gracious and says, okay. And many of us today have done that very thing. God, you've blessed me with access to you. But it's not really you I want. I just kind of want the stuff. I want to enjoy the world, right? I'd like to work the way I want, do the things I want to do. Could you just give me air and, and breath and life and uh, an, a, a, enough self-motivation so I can go and do what I want? And, and, and God says to us, yes. And then the older son is just working diligently in the field. And when the first or the, 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 the runaway son runs out of stuff, he's like, man, like my dad's servants have it better than I do. He comes back sheepishly and he's not sure what to expect. And the father just runs out and, and, and just wraps him up. You see, this story is important to me because sometimes I'm the runaway from God, but many times I'm, I'm the legalist working the field going, what are you doing? Why are you so dumb? Why did you leave God? God did all these things for you. And this story is a redemptive story about the ways that we all fall into the trappings, our own trappings of self-understanding, is that we have to be more moral or legalistic or truthful, or we need to bend the rules and, and, and kind of do things our own way. And when Jesus comes, he's, he's upending this, this line of morality completely and saying, no, there's a whole new way, a different way, a way of knowing me. And so when I say that your life is perfectly built for the amount of Jesus that you're giving what is, or, or that you're experiencing, what does that mean to you? Do you hear like this rigid list of, oh, I have to do more things or this guy is such a jerk. Go back to Bellingham. I can't believe you're saying these things, right? That means that we struggle. I mean, the internal voice struggles a little bit with legalism. If you're like, no, I'm off doing my own thing. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Um, you might hear something different and you might uh, experience uh, a little bit too much grace without the truth of, and the consistency of who God is. And God wants to free us from both. I learned that Jesus could take my judgment and I learned that Jesus could take my rebellion. And so now that I've been following Jesus for some time, I have to look at what are the traps that I fall into? Is it self-effort or is it becoming an exception or making other things an exception? On my sabbatical, I, I just... Um, kept asking, am I hungry for God? And God kept exposing the things that I was more hungry for than him. And I would have to say, God, would you help me love you more than this? And he would. So what does it take? What does it take for you to be hungry? What does it take for you to find him again? Sometimes it's creating more room more space. Sometimes it's being more intentional. Sometimes it's going somewhere like a women's retreat or a men's breakfast because you want more of him. When I was, uh, when I was little, I, um, I rode bikes at this church 
and um, like I said, I'd never gone to the church, but uh, but they had a great parking lot for riding bikes, and uh, thanks guys, and um, you know we jump over their landscaping and stuff. I'm sure um, they had this uh, this plaque on the front spot, right by the front door, and it said reserved for pastor. Now you guys, I know nothing about Jesus. I know a lot about riding bikes. We can talk later, but um, I know nothing about Jesus. But I remember in that parking spot, I'm sitting there and I'm looking and I'm like, wouldn't Jesus take the back spot? Like, wouldn't Jesus reserve the spot as far away as he could so that the mom with four kids, like, like my mom, could like dig out of their crazy and, and get in the building really quickly. And so when I started following Jesus, I noticed in me there's this, there's this, uh, there's, there's simultaneously, there's this desire to please God, um, but maybe fall into legalism. And there's this desire to kind of do my own thing, but, but maybe do, do too much of my own thing. And, and I wanted something, God, would you help me, um, to, to, to develop some, some small habits that will keep me focused on you and your mission. And so all I did is I said, when I come, I'm going to park as far away as I can. I'm going to park where I think Jesus would park. And I'm going to walk in, and as I walk in, I'm going to say, God, would you help me to be more hungry for you? God, would you bless the people in this community today God, would you show up and reveal yourself in a way that they need? God's been faithful to do that. And that's just a little hung, hungry habit. And as we close today, I'm going to ask that God would reveal not more legalistic things, uh, but, 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 but great hungry habits that you can develop to remember what you've been called to. Will you pray with me? Jesus, there is there's none like you. God, we could search this whole world over, and what we would find is there is none like you. And God, it's, it's, it's incredible and it's awesome to remember stories of where we've seen you move. God, especially after a frustrating year, a couple years of feeling like the whole world is falling apart. God, you rule and reign in heaven, and you are worthy of our praise. And you're worthy of our pursuit, and you are worthy of our holy habits that would lead to hunger for you. So God, if our lives are perfectly built for the amount of you that you're getting, would you reorient us? God, would you expose the selfishness in us that's keeping us from seeing you rightly, or even seeing ourselves rightly, or seeing our neighbors rightly? God, would you lead us to the forgiveness that we need to extend to others or even ourselves? God, would you, Holy Spirit, work in and through us this morning to increase the reality of Jesus in the lives of everyone here. God, so that you would be glorified, so that we would be changed, and so that those around us would know about the hope that we only find in you. And it's together we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm.